0: everyone and welcome to 10 Hats. Uh, Today we're bringing you the first of our feature podcasts. I'm Ali and I'm joined as usual by my fabulous co-hosts today, Kay and uh, Robin, directors. And today we're really excited to be joined by uh, viral sensation GP partner and entrepreneur Ben Allen. Um, welcome, Ben. Thank you ever so much for taking some time uh, out of practice today to talk to us.
1: <laughs> what are you up to at the moment? Oh, Today? Well, I've just been for a walk. Um, so um, I don't talk about much on, on social media, but we foster babies, and um, which is oh. very hard, actually. Well, this placement's been very hard and very tough on the family. But uh, this morning was lovely because it's frosty and we've just worked out that he really likes being in a sling. Um, so we've um, we've been doing our burnout for a little walk this morning. And now I've just started my kind of, I have my kind of two days of of connecting with people and thinking and reading. And yeah, so I really love these two days that I've got coming up.
2: Oh, fabulous. So were you attentive to baby or were you listening to a podcast as you walked?
1: I was actually. In I fact, I left my phone. I, I find that I just, you know, I, I don't know, like a lot of people, maybe I find my phone distracting and the best way to not be distracted is just to not have it on me. Amazing. So I just left it. But then I had to ask about four people what the time was because I had to get back by <laughs> quarter past nine. So, uh, yeah.
2: yeah, well, you probably made their day having a little conversation yeah.
1: with them as well.
3: So, Ben, you know we've seen from you on Twitter, you're incredibly supportive of your own practice manager, and you've been a real advocate for the IGPM accreditation process. What do you think uh, the partnership needs from a good PM? Like, what's important to you when you're thinking about what your practice manager can bring for you?
1: So, I'm probably not as clear on this as I'd like to be, but I think it's a mixture of management and leadership. I think that every every practice kind of needs clinical expertise, management expertise leadership and that's got to come from somewhere and it could be that you have partners that do some management and partners that do some leadership um, but um, yeah I think it, that needs to happen that needs to come from somewhere and, and so I think uh, a, a real gift to a practice is to, if you've got someone who's got the management skills but also the leadership skills it it also it feels better when the, those leadership skills are, are with the practice manager because that practice manager's got a unique relationship with all of the all of the uh, all the staff members whereas the partners can be slightly odd if you've got five partners and one of them is the leader then it, it doesn't have the same quite the same symmetry as if you have that, that within the practice manager so there's loads of things that that means in terms of what do they actually do but there's a little bit of an overview of how i how, how i might think about it
2: So kind of on the back of that um how how do you support the the that, that good practice manager, that leader. Um, how how can partners do you think best support
1: the that that role? Well, the, the definite first answer would be to ask them, <laughs> just to say, "Well, what can I do to help?" Because it, it, it how else can you know? Um, um, I I think that like a lot of things, we people will say, "I don't have time for that." You know, when you talk about things that need to happen. Um, But often it's more around the priorities and we do what we think matters the most Mm. if we're really intentional. And I can't think of um, many things that as a partner is more important than making sure the practice manager is able to do their job as best to the best of their ability because they are holding things together. They are, you know, they're they're organising so much stuff in the practice, and also a great practice manager will also be holding the other leaders, so the people yeah. who might be leading other teams. So in the past, I've I've kind of been led, I've led some of the other teams in the past when when that practice manager leadership wasn't there. But now I've got someone who's absolutely superb, um, called Sam Fellows, and um, we recruited him from retail actually, interestingly, oh, okay. which is a separate conversation. Yeah. but he is brilliant and he leads those teams. So. Um, so that's not I don't have to do that anymore, but it's really, really important that I speak to him and make sure that he's checking on how he's doing um, and support him to be able to do his job well. And if I have that small amount of time with him, then the difference that he then makes is hours and hours and hours and hours of difference.
2: We're seeing quite a few um retail managers coming into practice management. And I think that customer services element is it's really important. We don't often think of our patients as customers but they are aren't they they're the end yeah. users we, we need to have that same relationship yeah definitely. yeah. There's,
1: there's definitely a sensitivity there to the customer experience which you might call the patient experience and that was a very i think that was a very easy switch for, for him to make uh to be honest i think that one of the logics was i i'd uh so um there's a whole the whole conversation about improvement at our practice over the last five years and one of those things was me reading books around improvement and um um, leadership and management often from outside the nhs and often Mm. from retail and you know you've got a lot of places that have really developed and improved their organization to be the best it can be and i've you know and so i've read stuff and i've tried to pull stuff in to the practice principles that i've read from elsewhere i've tried to pull them in but I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to, you know, we to pull someone in from that environment? You know, we we every organization, whether it be private or NHS or sports, uh, we've got things we're brilliant at and we've got blind spots and we're often quite insular. Yeah. And, and, you know, we can learn about by reading books. But, you know, how brilliant to pull somebody in, mm-hmm. you know, from the voluntary sector or, or a sports coach or something. And, you know, some of the stuff, they'll just be like, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. there's a really better way. And I know how yeah. to do it. Um, so an example actually was uh, performance management which I know it's got a very um, it's it's not um, it it hasn't got a brilliant reputation because of sometimes how it's done but one of the one of the absolute essentials for a a thriving organization is to have a plan for when people are struggling and not doing their job as well as they could and you can make it a very supportive plan Mm -hmm. but it needs to be proactive and you need to know what you're doing and I think that so often I think in the NHS is that there's a real fear around, well, what if I get it wrong? And are we going to get in trouble if I have, the, if this conversation goes wrong? And so they don't end up happening. Yeah. Whereas he was just so familiar with it. He'd done it over and over again. And he was just like, right, I can see this happening. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to have one of those important conversations. And there are people who are now thriving in their roles because of the proactive approach, because he just knew exactly what to do, Maybe. because he came from a culture where that was normal.
2: Yep. Yeah. 'Cause you're looking after the whole team, aren't you? You're looking after everybody within within the practice. All that stuff's right up your street, Robin, isn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I was a HR uh, consultant before I became a practice manager. So, <laughs> yeah, performance management, sickness management, it's all my kind of bread and butter kind of stuff. But I, I think we've seen that in our local area as well. We've got a few new practice managers in our patch who have come from outside the NHS. And you're right, they, they do bring a completely different viewpoint and a fresh perspective. And I think sometimes partners, when they're recruiting, just think, oh, well, this person doesn't have NHS experience. They're not going to know anything. And it, it's not true. You know, it is a job that it is a very wide um, scope of what you have to do and you'll never know all of it I mean we still learn new things every day I mean in our IGP and WhatsApp groups we're learning stuff from our peers constantly that we didn't even know were things and you know we, we've been in it for long enough so I think it can be helpful to have a kind of fresh set of eyes and that confidence to have those certain skills and I think when partners are looking for a new practice manager one of the things they need to consider is what what is our priority as a practice right now it might be that you need a good people manager it might be that you need a good finance manager so you don't always necessarily have to go for the whole package because those other skills can be developed
2: yeah and that, that i guess that that shows that breadth of the the 10 hats of the igpm accreditation doesn't it that that there are so many things and a lot of that that the stuff that's overwhelming is overwhelming to all of us you know mm-hmm. I, i've i've posted a message this morning saying how on earth do i look at my catchment area map it's so long since i've done that how do i do that and straight away i've had three people sending me <sighs> the links to it so you know that would be new to sam and mm. although i've done it before i've forgotten all about it it's fallen out of my ear hole um but you know it's it, it's that kind of stuff that 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 we don't, don't do frequently
3: mm. yeah. so we are starting to see as well that we're getting more and more practice managers becoming partners myself included i became a partner in april of this year and i think there are more non gps also becoming partners so what what are your thoughts on on this kind of this new development do you think non gps can make good partners
1: it's a very hard question because I think I <clears throat> I think you could you could both have um, a philosophy about I could answer that philosophically and I think there's also a question about pragmatically what ends up happening and so um, I, and I, and I'm less clear on the second. So something that I have noticed that feels an issue to me is uh, when, again, reading books from places where, you know, big businesses where you have the head of finance, the, the legal, the head of legal, the head of manufacturing, operations, all together in a room, um, making decisions together. Between them, they know the organization. Between them, they can make decisions. And then the, between them, they can go and get done what needs to get done. And I was thinking, hang on a second, like, our partners meetings that are like the most important engine room of decision-making they're all from everyone's from one department you've got the manager trying to represent like all the other departments and a partner's all from one department so clearly you you care you you care more about what the what the clinical what's going on clinically um in the in the very narrow sense of what's happening on the in for the gps um um and and the practice manager trying to represent the views of of the rest of the organization so so yeah so we so our approach to that was um was to Make sure that we're having um, really good leadership meetings where we're having the head of each department, and actually we we now meet regularly, and lots of decisions get made, and that's really and that really helps. Um, and we've also made it clear to quite a number of our staff that that we are open to non GP partners, um, because yeah, I think probably the most important thing is leadership, really, um, um, and that can come from that can come from anywhere, can't it? Um, yeah. I guess the I guess practically the issue is there's is a huge investment often in, in being able to buy yourself into the building um, and that and that can restrict some people being able to to be able to do that
3: I think from what we hear from our members and, and how I definitely felt myself was you know becoming a partner is kind of like the pinnacle of your career it's it's almost like your way of becoming the chief exec because you're 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 literally sitting at the top of, of your organization and that um, is really sort of ratifying to have that and to have that recognition. And I think you're, you're right that the job itself, I mean, my, my husband calls it as having a job with multiple personalities because I've had patients before who sort of say to me well I want to talk to you know whoever's in charge of complaints and I'm like yeah no that's me I'm the practice manager well I want to talk to your HR department you know that's me as well I'm the (laughs) practice manager well what about your governance department also me Um, and at that point they sort of say well who else can I talk to so I don't really know because I kind of do everything (laughs) and and that is kind of how the job is for a lot of us but I think the, the partnership aspect is really important, like you said, in having your GP partners also take lead roles. So whilst I'm a managing partner, I still have a GP partner who has a lead for finance, who has another one who's the CQC registered manager, another one who looks at staffing and stuff. So I'm not kind of on my own with that. And when we do have those partnership meetings, it's not just me telling all this information one way. So we can actually feel like we're making a, you know, decisions together based on our own shared experience. So that is really good.
1: But an observation i've made also is that it, there's i often find gp partners doing things that you just think why why don't we just have more management because they could and 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 really good quality management because often we're trying to do things that we're not really trained to do um mm. and we don't have enough clinical time so i i do find that slightly odd um
3: I think that's the same for us as well though because there are times like why why am I doing the, the social media posts for the practice you know surely there's someone in the practice yeah. that could do that as well so I think we've all got you know delegation issues <laughs> I think that I think that often comes though, from being in senior roles and and having that you know, you have to have good faith in the, the team below you to take these actions on and do them well and and you know, have that trust in people and I think that's you know, really really important for us is making sure we've got good teams that we work with and that we can delegate you know successfully to people
2: and and maybe it's because we're running small businesses and you know that's what you do in a small business isn't it you're the one that's up early and you're the one that locks the door at the end of the day so you know we're we're, we're all running our own little empires
1: (laughs) well I'd like to ask you guys what what, I mean you said a bit Robin already but what what difference do you feel it make it would make to have more um, managers becoming partners do you think that would be something that yeah, I think positive.
3: I think it would be a positive, and we we are seeing it happen more and, more and more. I mean, even in just our regional reps group, there are quite a few managing partners now. I think the finance is quite often a barrier, like you said, you know, being able to buy in. But I think that that is going to sound really cheeky that becomes easier if you pay your practice manager what they're worth as a practice manager Mm. you know we hear a lot of what i can only call horror stories about how some practice managers are paid for the job that they do and we constantly get you know people going back to oh well it's a smaller practice it doesn't matter about your list size your job doesn't change um so so that is something that we were quite adamant about but i think i think for a lot of people, it would be quite an easy decision, provided that the partnership works. You know, it was very easy for me to accept in my surgery here because our partnership works really well together. And all of us get along. Quite a few of us are a similar age. So we know that we're going to be here together for a long time and we're all happy in the way things work. And I think that's really key because you're, you're asking a, an employee with rights to give those rights up, essentially, to become a partner. To, to have that extra level of responsibility and accountability and to be responsible for the chance that their their money can go up it can go down. you know you become liable for a lot more things. so it's a big commitment to make. and I think we've, um, we've I've done a podcast with practice index in the in the past I think about um, how partnerships for managing partners can work and in the things to consider. but I think most people if it was the right partnership and the right practice would go for it. There are just so many considerations to make. And we always just say to people, do not take that decision lightly because it is a bigger change than you think. You can very easily just go, oh, well, I do the job now already. And you do. And that's one thing I've noticed that my role hasn't changed much since I became a partner. But a lot of the the, the responsibility, the finance around it, that's a big life decision that you have to make. And you, you can't do that on a whim. And, you know particularly with
2: things like that the, the the pay rises for this year the the kind of perceived six percent you know you're now making I'm making a a, a recommendation mm. to my partners you're actually putting your hand in your pocket yeah um so you know that that that's a, a huge huge difference mm. um I think I always aspired even when I went off and worked for NHS England I always had in the back of my head I'd like to be a practice manager um and I feel really proud to say that I'm a practice manager so if I was ever asked to to be a a, a partner that'd be a re- that'd be a massive thing for me because practice management was kind of the the kind of end point that I always dreamt of so yeah if I get asked um I'll, I'll let you know
0: <laughs> something I'd really like to ask you about Ben um so you're you're very um active on social media um and you I watch all your posts and have seen your viral video during the pandemic um shared a lot and what 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 made you become interested in that area what what drives you there
1: that's a really interesting question <laughs> I think the biggest one is probably connection yeah is it? it's uh, there's there's a it's a really great way for being for, for good ideas to be able to be shared and challenges to be able to share, and for you know, it, it's amazing the way that you know you ask a question and someone tags someone that they know, and it's just an incredible way of the flow of information happening, isn't it? Um, and I think there's something also about how do you make change happen, uh, oh. uh, and it, it's one of the mechanisms for grassroots change. So you know, I've worked at the ICB, and I've and I've and I've thought about you know how do you make change happen from the top down? You know, how do you organise the work? to make it as the, the best it can for for um, people on the ground and for patients and i think that there are really important ways of doing that and advocating for that or having a role in in the uh, you know in one of those policy type organisations but it's also true that they're really limited in terms of what they can make happen and actually if we can connect and inspire one another and 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 answer each other's problems and give each other um hope and kind of and you can sometimes read information about how, you know, some you know five principles that are gonna improve your practice. And then you'd be like, well, how do what does that look like? You know, it's so busy. I can't even imagine cramming that into our organization. And I read I read stuff from often from retail sector where you think that that needs repackaging for general practice. There's no way that you could just. So and then what I find myself doing is if I've managed to repackage something that I've heard elsewhere and, and made it happen pragmatically and practically in practice. I'm like, right. I want to capture that to be able to share that with people. So it might just be something that they think, yeah, we could do that, our practice. So it becomes a space where where we can help one another to do the work better and find a more joyful place to work and to be better for patients. And that's definitely what I'm, that's what I'm after is how do we help the people doing the work to do it to the best of their abilities? And how do we help organizations to thrive? What, what makes organizations function well and can we share stories of that and then I know that because people work in your own practice there because they really care about patients when you do that then the patient care and the patient satisfaction improves and that has been absolutely our experience at our practice mm. um so I think that so I think that's maybe maybe my best answer off the top of my head
2: yeah that's great I, I love that you're saying joy as well bringing the bits that find joy and I think we all have a different bit don't we that 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 brings us joy and and I suppose the the best teams are when we all have a little bit of, of a different joy within the practice and bring that all together
1: yeah and I think yeah. you're
3: right you know practices are you know they are independent of each other and a lot of the time when things get stressy you kind of go very insular don't you and you you don't Actually look out and, and try and seek ways of improving things from you know external sources so I think it is really good to try and have that network outside of the practice as well because the more you can learn from each other you know you can make things better and if, if you're not seeking that out then you'll never know
2: yeah and and that's um, we, we've set up some whatsapp groups recently for all of our members and they're just fantastic we've got about 12 with different topics and they're just going all the time with lots of information and everybody the thing that always strikes me is that everybody is willing to share that work and that thing and the uh, uh, to make everything better for everybody so yeah some joy there uh,
0: also i read you you put an article recently on doctor google i thought it was a really interesting article I, was, I really enjoyed that one and i could <laughs> definitely relate to that um is that something you actually you enjoy do you like writing i mean you you do it very well
1: yeah um So that's that came out of uh, a, a patient came to see me and was really apologetic about how he'd looked up about his diabetes online. And I thought, man, what are we doing? We've really not been clear, are we, about how people should be using the Internet? I think that people just feel embarrassed that they've gone online about anything. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes it really isn't great to go online, but sometimes it really, really is. And we've never really told patients about how to navigate that. And it's just one of those things where well, everyone's doing it anyway. So we really, sh- uh, 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 we really should be helping people to be able to do that. So um yeah, so I quite enjoyed uh, its provocative title, a, G- a GP's guide to being Dr. Google. um But hopefully the content, I think most clinicians would, I hope, wholeheartedly agree with. Um, we can maybe put the link to the, in the in the show notes of that. Yeah, um, yeah but I have been trying to decide, because, you know, I've I, got to you know, work out how to prioritise my time, and I think I was splitting my time a little bit between doing articles for patients, because I really care about trying to how do I think one of the ways to support general practice is to do have better comms to patients you know what are the things that we say over and over again to individual patients one-to-one well we need to package something up really really brilliant and find ways of being able to share that with patients and then the other side of it is how the, the other side of my interest is how do you help organizations to thrive and I think I'm moving more towards the latter than the former you know I think um I used to go on the media I used to go on media quite a lot on the radio I used to write articles in the sheffield star um but i've only got so much time to you know um so i think i'm going to be focusing more on on that kind of more specialist thing around how do we help organizations to thrive and you know and potentially also how do you help people to engage with patients and engage with the public but maybe not doing it quite so much myself
2: that's a um a practice. I don't know if you've come across them. They're in Hyde, in um, in Cheshire, Greater Manchester, um, called Horton Thornley Medical Practice, and their senior partner is called Amir Hanan, and um, Dr. Hanan's done um, a really great website, and he particularly sits when he's talking to his patients with his website open on one screen, and says to his patients, "If you want to find out a bit more about your diabetes, go to our website, click on this link that says diabetes, and go to this page, and just the those nudges make a, a really big difference. Mm. So he, he will happily tell you that some of his um uh, 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 some of other practices say there's too much information on his website, but he's kind of trained tr- or training his patients to just go there. So to go, you know, go and search on the web, but use these trusted resources. Did you always want to be a GP?
1: Yeah, my journey to the general practice is quite an interesting one. So. Uh... The decision to go to medical school, I can't even remember what that thought process was. I just vaguely just knew that it was health matters to people. So if you can be someone who can help people's health, then, then that, that seems like a good job to have. Um, and, and then the decision around general practice was an interesting one, because at the time I was very interested in working in developing countries. And so I actually went, I had a year out between F1 and F2 to work, go out to rural India mostly. In fact, I thought, where are the best... So i had been to places that were trying to improve the health of the, some of the poorest people and they weren't managing to do it. And, I, and so I came back and I read and I, th- I basically found what are some of the best projects in the world that are really improving the health of the, some of the poorest people without having lots of resource. And then I went and visited those places. So that was really interesting. And I learned loads of things that I'm now using here, actually. Um, but I, I think that at that point, I thought, well, general practice is probably is the is the probably the best qualification to be able to be able to use in other countries um but I think for the UK the thing I, there's lots of things I love about it lots of things um but I think the thing that I love the most it probably is it just feels it's very relational but it's also very pragmatic I think when I was practicing medicine in hospital I found I had to keep I had to keep doing things that, no one thought it was really necessary, but you kind of had to do it. You had to make sure the boxes were ticked and um, and it would stand up in court and that kind of thing. Whereas in general practice, you know, you've got so many symptoms thrown at you um, and really complicated situations and 10 guidelines that you're meant to be following. But you get to just make a really pragmatic decision about what's the what's the right thing for this patient we decide that together and I really like that kind of very pragmatic approach where you get to do the medicine that you really think is the right thing for the the, the patient in front of you um
2: that's a so real kind of personalized care in 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 action yeah, thinking about the whole person, the family, the community, and everything else. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great. So no, no career choice changes, no, no regrets. GP is uh, the, the, nothing, nothing that you think. Oh, wish I'd have been a something else.
1: I don't think so. I think I, I've, I've really, I've really started to love leadership and improvement.
3: So what uh, kind of keeps you sane outside of work? I suppose you have
0: much time outside of work.
1: <laughs> well, I think the first thing that I would say is um, work keeps me sane, you know, it's not like work is total chaos and home life is is wonderful. It, it's much more of a mesh and actually work is uh, I really love work. Um, one thing to say, actually, this is I thought this earlier in the podcast my life at work is very hard and often goes wrong and things we try and do go wrong Mm -hmm. and i tend to put the things that are have gone well on social media and i also try and make a discipline of putting the days where that didn't go well because it's this isn't just some kind of pr exercise it's about trying to express reality Mm -hmm. so sometimes work is really tough i i really enjoy my kind of um the the two days i have so i used to work on the icb on a wednesday and thursday and i stopped that for various reasons um and now i spend my time um meeting with people and and thinking of ideas and and connecting with people doing podcasts and writing and reading and 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 learning and and i just love that i love it it's like my yeah i love it and it's not a job but I'm sure something will come out of it. Um, so that really because then cause the, the the clinical days are really tough, you know. And so I think I, I find that that balance of 50-50 mm-hmm. split works really well. Um, but then home life, so we foster babies, I was saying earlier. Um, although to be honest, that is probably harder than work at the moment. <laughs> uh, he he's he wakes up about eight times a night and I have done for a year. Yeah. Um, and that is really been quite hard on on um on our um and our family so that's tough how long do they stay with you um it varies so sometimes it's you know it's yes until they find their forever family so sometimes that's eight months but we've had him for every year now so yeah so you never really know how long that's going to be um for me, my community, my friendships are just really, really essential. I think when I think about what things I like doing, I, I think of work, actually. I really love learning and I really love doing and really making change happen. But the other thing I really love is connecting with my friends and family. So I'm part of a church and um, I like meeting the people who I live near as well in my neighbourhood. Um, and in terms of, you know, you said, what do I have time uh, do I have time for? Because um, we don't have a TV and I think that, and so in some ways probably social media ends up, probably taking some of the time that some people might watch TV. So I'd probably don't have that much less time than other people really. Um, because we, um, because sleep's a bit, been a bit of an issue for, well, we've got our own children. So, you know, 10 years. Um, I, I find that I end up doing some of my work at slightly weird hours. I yeah. um, feel slightly embarrassed about the, the emails that I send at four and <laughs> two in the morning, but it's, it's because, you know, that's,
2: it's that's when I, get to be,
1: I get to be with my family during the day. Yeah. It's not like I'm a workaholic. I just, it's just nice to be flexible. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah I feel like um I feel like my life's pretty brilliant to be honest um even though it's hard the, the the definitely the hardest times have been when we have been when I've been working at a practice where I feel like we're not offering as good a service uh we're, we're offering a service that I don't think is is that great but I know that we can do better now it's different when yeah. you're doing that when you know you're doing the absolute best you can with the resources that you've got and it still won't feel good enough to some patients I kind of feel okay about that because what yeah. more can you do but when you realize there's loads of unreleased potential and there's things that you ought to be doing that you could be doing that you're not yet doing and it's really hard to work out how, how to get there I find that quite distressing and I've had that in the past and that doesn't have, that's not how it feels now yeah. um
2: that's yeah. good. It's, you're in the right place then You've found the right place, yeah. and we often say that to practice managers. You know, it's a brilliant job if you find your home.
3: I think we kind of underestimate sometimes the value of being feeling proud can can do to people. I mean, I'm I'm a bit like you. I, I sort of work my hours over four days so I have a day off a week and I kind of do my IGPM stuff as much as possible on a Friday which is it works really well because come Thursday you know four long days I'm a bit tired I might be a bit grouchy I might think oh god it's been another tough week in GP and then Friday I spend all day talking about how brilliant it is to be a practice manager and it really (laughs) is and then come Monday I'm all excited for it again so it's kind of like a a self-fulfilling prophecy really I get to spend my the last part of my week thinking about how great my job is how brilliant my team is how proud I am of my profession and that kind of helps keep me going yeah. so I think yeah it's, it's it's really important to have that good work-life balance to be able to switch off when you want to switch off but also to enjoy the job that you have and to not feel weird for liking work yeah. because I think people look at you sometimes and you say I love my job as if to say that's weird and I'm like it's not weird that's what it should be everyone should love their job otherwise why would you do it? So what would, advice would you give them, Ben, to a practice that's feeling the pressure right now?
1: It's really hard to answer that question because everyone's practice is different, isn't it? And the problems that they've got and the challenges and what their needs are is different. So I've written up the, the journey that we went on. And again, it could include this in the show notes. Uh, and and I, and I kind of put together a framework that included stuff that I'd learned from about 15 different books. And, and we started working through that. Um, and... I think the kind of five areas that I think have been the most important have been, so the first was recruitment. So getting, re- you can't spend too long on recruitment and you can't spend too long on working out how to do good recruitment. And I and I got someone in who was an expert in recruitment to help me and then I read a book on it and we learned, and and it's made a huge difference. I spent a lot of time on it, but my goodness, how worth it is that? Again, I would only have learned this from a book, I wouldn't have come up with it, but building psychological safety and trust, um, which is, th- th- that's the belief that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up if you've got ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. And and the culture shift that that, that the the learning and that you release from your organization when you do that. And uh, Amy Edmonton's written a lot on it. Um, so you can watch videos that she's, that she's put out or read her books so you know that's a separate podcast about, but that is that's been really really important. Um, I think find working out what what leadership is required in general practice, and um, and finding the people who who are those kind of people in your organisation, and they won't necessarily be the kind of charismatic, confident, certain people it's going to be the people who are great listening and admired and people who people follow and who nurture people who are fair i think those are the kind of people who make really great leaders but they they won't necessarily look like you might think a leader would look like and they might not think of themselves as a leader and if you find those people and you help them into roles where they're leading a team again we've had it just where where the team is just sorted like all the little all the kind of conflicts that you spent ages trying to resolve if you get the right leaders into position then thing and you give them autonomy and coach them then then again teams can just be sorted out um having mechanisms for nurturing potential is the fourth one which is um our organization we 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 wanted people to feel cared for and nurtured but when you asked the staff that wasn't how they felt and i think the main reason was we didn't actually have the mechanism for nurturing the potential and nurturing people. The practice manager was having to do it entirely, like 20 people, and that's just not possible. So you need to have the the mechanisms where, and I guess one person is, 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 um, is maybe looking after five to eight people, something like that, and their job is to get to know them and understand what their strengths are, what they're struggling with, where they want to get to in their career, who they see on a regular basis, and those kind of conversations are happening on a regular basis. And the last bit was around communication so um, that's both in terms of uh, making sure that people in the practice update about what's happening and doing it in a way where the people want to receive information but then the other i think the more tricky bit is engagement around how do we get people together how do we share ideas um, how do we share our challenges how do we together just make decisions um, and building the team in the process of of coming together so they're probably like uh, in my practice they're the things that made the most difference: building psychological safety and trust, really zoning in on getting really good quality recruitment, finding great leaders, having mechanisms to make sure you're nurturing potential, and getting your communication with with uh, with your team. Uh, so they they they've been the things that have helped us the most.
3: Well, that's awesome. I think that's really really key. Communication is huge, and employee yeah. wellbeing is obviously a massive agenda at the
0: moment. Uh, so you know, that's really helpful. Thank you. Just to say from us, thank you ever so much for joining us today, Ben. It's been really interesting. It's some really great talking to you. Um, thank you for taking your time. Um and thank you for being such an advocate for IGPM. Um, we really appreciate that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'll continue to be, because you know, practice managers are the heart of 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 most GP practices. And if we can help practice managers to thrive, then then the whole of general practice can thrive and yeah so I'm I'm going to remain a big advocate you guys thanks for all the work that you do and keep doing it
0: join us next week for a roundup of 2023 with all four directors of the IGPM we'll be looking at the things we've achieved during the past year and what we've got to look forward to in the year ahead